0: Okay, good morning, uh, everybody. I'd like to welcome you all to the Daily Energy Markets uh, podcast. It is the last day of February, leap year, February 29th. Uh, I'm delighted today to be joined uh, by Clay Siegel, uh, Director of Global Oil Service at Rapidan Energy uh, Group, Gulmira uh, Rezaev founder and md of eurasia analytics and joining us for the first time on this particular podcast mr Bedar chowdhury who's head of the head of the energy sector at Mashrik bank here uh in the uae so great uh to have you all uh with us today um clay and Gulmira. i believe you just spent uh uh the week in london and you're still there at ie week so i really you know look forward to also hearing about your main takeaways on today's podcast from that um Clay, let me start with you. And yeah, let me ask you, uh, I've got the headlines there from today, obviously, but give us a, a snippet of what your main sort of takeaway sentiment has been having attended IE Week this week in London for demand supply, um, you know, balances going forward. Is there is there a bit more certainty as we go through to the end of this year now of where we stand?
1: Well, good morning and good afternoon to you and the audience. It's a pleasure to be with you again. You know, the sense that I get from talking to the colleagues uh, here this week is uh, a pretty narrow range of expectations for the supply-demand balance this year and also for the price range. I mean, at RapidAN Energy, we're expecting uh, low 80s both this year and next year. We think that we'll run. a bit of a deficit of demand over supply in 2024, maybe say like 700 KBD, we see next year as uh, actually quite balanced. The key assumption though in that outlook is that OPEC plus is going to maintain its current program of supply restraint uh, for quite some time. And when we just uh, rebooted our modeling and our uh, fundamental forecasting uh, last week, we ran some scenarios asking how soon could the group start to think about bringing back uh, Mm. some supply into the market. And our conclusion, given our assumptions again for global oil demand growth and also new inputs from non-OPEC supply, is that uh, OPEC Plus will probably prefer uh, for quite some time, we're assuming for the balance of this year, to leave those supply uh, according to our modeling, if they were to rescind those cuts and uh, taper them and bring that oil back onto the marketplace, um, we would wind up with inventory levels that are uh, probably higher than the group has in mind for a balanced market. And so for that reason, we are assuming uh, that the supply cuts will stay in place. It's certainly possible that as we get maybe a bit tighter in the global balance, let's say toward the end of this year, maybe the fourth quarter, where we're expecting prices to be a bit higher than they are now. Maybe at that point, they, they could certainly consider bringing a little bit of oil back onto the marketplace, but we don't see that anytime soon. And uh, likewise, there was general consensus here uh, that we would see continued growth in oil demand worldwide with uh, non-OECD certainly being the uh, you know the big contributor. And likewise, that non-OPEC supply will probably come in um, somewhere around the pace of demand growth around the world this year, and that we will not see uh, a similar surprise like last year from uh, one of the important growth centers for non-OPEC supply, which of course is the United States. It's surprised to the upside last year. I think that uh, there's consensus that it would, it would really take a special trick for the United States to be able to repeat that performance this year with the mergers and acquisitions and some of the other considerations in the United States oil patch, that kind of upside surprise looks unlikely.
0: Okay, thanks so much for that, Clay uh, Gulmira, Let me go to you also, and 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 uh, you know, let us know if you agree that that's kind of without necessarily repeating those points. But would you say that it was the sentiment you took away from IE Week uh, this week? And um, I also then wanted to ask you about uh, your impressions of. Uh, and I'll go back to Clay on this as well later on on how this the the new US sanctions or the renewed or on top of what was there is impacting Russian shipping from your point of view, because we've had quite a few people on the show this week saying, you know, nothing major yet, but it is beginning to bite a little bit. It's causing a headache, at least. So quick takeaway from IE week and then give us your 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 uh, takeaway on uh, on whether you think Russian shipping is now being impacted by sanctions
2: yeah good morning uh, thank you so uh, i think uh, my uh, takeaway from ip would be that there are, there are uh, certainly concerns coming not only from uh, uh, you know uh, uh supply side but also demand side because uh suppliers are also you know uh, concerned about the, the, you know uh, demand uncertainties because uh from coming from the country like from azerbaijan there is you know, uh, uh, one of the major oil producer, oil producer and exporter. This is uh, really something that uh, disturbs, uh, you know, oil and, and also natural gas uh, supplier as well. So, what what's going to happen with demand in longer term perspective? You know, because there are billions of uh, dollars of investment in. Uh, well, not only new projects, but also in the uh, current projects to maintain the production, and uh, obviously uh, uh, demand uh, demand uncertainties concern uh, oil suppliers as well. So this is something we heard yesterday at the uh, uh, GI dinner as well from uh, from uh, you know former minister of Bahrain, and and and, and I would say that uh, this is some uh, you know issues that uh, uh, also it turned out an important. To consider when you know when you uh, go ahead with your uh, FIDs and, in new and uh, current projects on 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 Russian supplies. Well, I think uh, so far um, uh, sanctions. Well, I'm not talking about the r- most recent sanction, but uh, sanctions that imposed before. Uh, I haven't bite that, you know, painfully, Russia, because we're talking about some, uh, you know, amounts of oil which were just redirected from the Atlantic Basin to to the Asian market. And given that uh, uh, oil demand in China and uh, India was growing, so far it's been uh, growing. So uh, Russia managed to uh, find the market for its uh, oil, uh, you know, in the Asian market. But uh, a recent... Uh, sanctions, uh, uh, you know, imposed on the uh, banks and all international transactions mm. that would be uh, done in dollar, in, in oil trading. I think this is so far uh, uh, is caused a lot of, uh, let's say, uncertainties for Russia because it's still, as far as I know, uh, Russian trading companies, they stopped at the moment trading with oil. So they tried to, you know, figure out the new schemes of uh bypassing the sanctions and coming up with you know some uh some schemes of uh, uh, as they did before with all all sanctions you know um, to continue trading uh trying to by sanction, and i think that uh, in just as 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 i heard in just few days looking forward they will uh, they will come up with some uh, uh new schemes and and continue trading so i don't think that this will uh, significantly disrupt uh, russian oil sales or trading uh, i'm just uh, i think just you know there will be uh, you know as, as as has been so far you know uh, all the sanctions sanctioned you know oil uh, price or uh, oil and oil products are trading you know as uh, was conducting um, you know uh, without any major problem just they were putting from sanctioned tankers to non-sanctioned tankers documents have been changed you know uh, you know and the documents you have russian uh, russian gas names like a region kazakhstani gas or money or sorry oil or products so uh, i think uh, i think this would be the case in 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 with these sanctions as well
0: Okay, so they'll continue to to probably to get around those Um, Bedra, Good morning again and and welcome. Um, We haven't had a chance to talk to you since the COP28 uh, uh, meeting. We certainly haven't had you on this show for that. And I'd like to get your perspective from the finance banking sector about the appetite post-COP28. New targets were set, new initiatives, the, uh, uh, you know, a few things put into the statement about fossil fuels and, of course, uh, investing in the energy transition. So from your, give us sort of the start of 2024 outlook for you from the banking sector, the appetite for CapEx in conventional energy products versus green, and whether you think COP28 or or, or those initiatives are having any impact on the appetite for either of those areas of investment.
3: Yes, good, good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Um, again, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Uh, this is the one that I haven't attended in the past, but um, very, very familiar with the uh, format. Uh, so again, uh, in general, I think uh, the, if you look at the uh, economics or the dynamics of the market that we operate in um, uh, by all measures, uh, I think we are sort of um, ready to actually continue the the pace that has been set in the last three, four years. Um, the direction has been well laid out uh, by the leaders of the regional markets and you're seeing significant um, sort of investment. If you, if you look at uh, Saudi Arabia, if you look at uh, the, the UAE, uh, the wider GCC, uh, there, is, there is absolutely clear mandate that has been you know, uh, reinforced what was said in the COP28 and uh you are seeing significant more sort of uh, uh in sort of uh, momentum building to deliver on that mandate right so um policy making is being uh is being sharpened as they say it is being adjusted uh, towards the mandate that was advised or put across at uh, the cop28 um having said that i think uh, what we witnessed at cop28 was the uh, the significance of uh, uh of how ba- a balanced transition and uh, a sort of uh, a, a sort of a uh, calculated walk towards the you know the uh, the energy mix was identified right uh, energy security was highlighted as a concern that was that we everybody witnessed in 2023 and that was taken on board right so uh, in general, I think we, we, uh, the region will continue uh, to lead uh, in its role towards uh, the energy transition while continuing to remain an active participant in the conventional um, uh, sort of energy uh, sources as well. Um, I would, of course, like to also commend that uh, 2024 is the election year uh, and in particular the U.S. election year, right? Uh and that will effectively dictate what we foresee in the next couple of years, uh, the outcome of that election, right? And uh, the the demand serves a side story will, uh, will definitely be impacted as to what the transition happens after the elections. Uh, mind you, we're already hearing... Um, from the from the uh, you know the, the central banks about a potential soft landing, right, and how that along with the the outcome of the election will translate into uh, the 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 decision making around the interest rate levels and and the tapering off of the interest rate. It will all play into the man's side story of on the on 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 the oil and gas uh, space. So interesting times, Um, but here in in the GCC, we expect uh, to continue uh, the momentum of uh, diversifying the economy, uh, moving towards a greener uh, energy, while maintaining our contribution towards the energy mix uh, for the energy security of uh, economies that rely on on hydrocarbons uh, as of now. And of course, the
0: consumers who rely on those hydrocarbons, not in these economies here in the Gulf, but of course, in the emerging markets where it's played, let me go back to you on that point of US um, elections. Let's not get in too much into the mess of the uh, electioneering, but from a sort of results point of view and also US economy point of view, I wanted to come to you and ask you what the sentiment is now about the soft landing. I mean, I think we can all agree maybe it's already had a soft landing, the US economy by all intents and purposes a good year last year, despite expectations a year ago. What's the sentiment there on the ground now for the next few months, given that we kind of know where interest rates are gonna go, which direction and nothing too dramatic is going to happen?
1: Right, I appreciate the question. I mean, it seems clear that a bit tighter for longer and higher on interest rate uh, policy is baked into financial markets, including commodity markets. And nevertheless, we're seeing, you know, prices in a pretty stable range. So uh, that bit is already baked in and priced in. I think that when it comes to uh, the uncertainty around the outcome of the United States election, there are so many elements to consider that are relevant for the energy industry and uh, economic performance generally. One of them certainly is on the foreign policy front, which will probably look very different under uh, either of the two administrations that we can see as a result of the election. Likewise, when it comes to uh, other policies that affect the economy and the uh, commodity pricing front, we are especially starting to focus on the potential for a major debt crisis in the United States in the coming years. It could be as early as the first year of the new administration, so 2025. And it occurs to us that the um, presumptive candidate uh, on the Republican side, which would be former President Trump, Uh, will probably lean pretty heavily toward the imposition of uh, trade barriers, significant ones in the form of, uh, of tariffs. And that has the potential to pull down economic performance, economic activity, and act as a barrier to GDP growth versus those expectations that are already priced into the market on what we've already seen in terms of interest rate expectations. So rates could be even higher for longer And uh, if there is really an issue with uh, rating on the United States and uh, potentially uh, international parties that were to sell uh, US denominated assets, et cetera, we could have um, lower oil demand uh, and aggregate economic activity in the United States than the market is expecting. So we at Rapidan, you probably know, we definitely feel like the future of oil demand and oil demand growth remains coupled to the GDP trajectory. It's not decoupling like uh, some other analysts uh, mm. have asserted. But if we have trade barriers, if we have uh, a trade war or something like that under a new administration, it's possible that oil demand growth could be much less than people are modeling right now.
0: Okay, thanks, Clay. Uh, Gulmira, let's talk a bit about gas. We've had a few discussions on it this week already, because the price trajectory for, for international, let's say gas prices, it's is going down. There doesn't seem to be any uh, pull, strong, extra strong pull from Asia or Europe as there was a year ago, and everything seems to be pretty much under control. Uh, We have a headline today with saying that Russia is diverting its LNG to China from the Red Sea around the Cape. You know, it's even getting its gas to Asia when it needs it. So what's the outlook for gas demand in Europe uh, as you're seeing it? And the trajectory of gas prices generally uh, that's softened, You know, a lot in the last 12 months. Is that kind of the new normal? Uh, Of course, there's weather related things, but, you know, it would take a very, very big change in the weather to to pull prices up from where they are now back to the highs that we saw, which were triggered initially, uh, obviously with the Russian crisis.
2: Yeah, I think uh, uh demand decline will be uh, continuing in the in the European market in the following years as well. Uh, thanks for all the measures that uh, you know, uh, European and Ener- Energy Commission will, has been taking so far. So this uh, bears some fruits, and uh, therefore, well, given also the the fact that inventories. Are uh, you know pretty much full before the season, and now uh, it's uh, full like something like 70 percent. This this gives uh, kind of a uh, kind of an energy security, and so far affects the prices. So prices are not going up uh, as was expected. Maybe uh, you know before winter, but um, uh, I think this is what we are facing in Europe at the moment. Is Demand destruction, which means that well, it's not a uh, 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 demand reduction, which means that you know those volumes will not come back to the market again, uh, especially in the industry sector, because as as we're uh, witnessing now, the industry in Europe is you know uh, migrating to some other regions of the world, especially to the to the US, which means that yeah, this demand destruction um, uh, uh, you know will not uh, will not uh, uh, reverse in in the future, which yeah and and this means that the demand is declining and these trends will be continuing in the future um and i think here important thing is whether uh, europe uh, europe is you know how, how successful to manage to bring a uh, gas from uh alternative sources and and via alternative routes and uh uh, uh This is a a major issue because, uh, well, there are not too many alternative sources existing at the moment. And if we're talking about the pipeline gas, so we have only uh, a gas coming from North Africa and Azerbaijan. Uh, Volumes are not that big. Well, Azerbaijan is planning to double its gas export to Europe from current 10, 12 BCMA to uh, 20 BCMA by 2027. And then uh, uh, if you look at uh, the the, uh, African supply, especially uh, Algeria, Algeria, then um, yes, Algeria uh, is also planning to tremendously increase its gas exports to Europe. But I think for both of these suppliers, uh, they need uh, an investment to increase the gas production and and expand their export infrastructure to be able to increase gas export to Uh, to europe and this brings me to another point of again uh you know demand security i mean for 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 investment in your infrastructure including you know gas production uh and uh uh, gas transportation facilities uh, you need to have your long-term contracts in place uh which is which looks to me a bit problematic uh on the current situation uh because you know again there are a lot of demand uncertainties and the buyers are reluctant to sign long-term contracts uh, which makes problematic for uh, gas suppliers to you know invest in uh, and to secure um, funding and invest in their uh, in their infrastructure and lng are uh, also another uh, issue because we, we are facing now rather, rather a tight lng market and given that as you said, Russian LNG is redirected from Europe to uh, to the Asian market then uh, we are also uh, are facing here a great competition for LNG. So uh, for LNG prices are fluctuating a lot uh, and this creates another uncertainty for the market.
0: okay I mean it, it's, it's it's tight but I mean we do have a lot of gas coming online the next few years uh, big projects and of course, we saw announcements the last week from Qatar, which has got a new uh, uh, find and is will be expanding its production. Saudi Arabia also uh, has has said that it's going to be, um, you know, looking to expand even gas production. Better, I'd like to go to you on that, on Saudi, also, and get your thoughts from sort of, uh, you know, an economy point of view. Uh, Saudi Arabia also a couple of weeks ago, their their energy minister said that. Uh, they would not be, for the time being, continuing with plans to hit this 13 million barrel a day target. That one has to assume that's because they want to spend elsewhere, and they've got budgetary uh, needs, obviously, for these mega projects. So I'd like to get your uh, thoughts on the Saudi economy and and sort of its financial, uh, I suppose, uh, well being and its its economic well being. Clearly, it's fine, but this whole expenditure budget and how it's looking to divert and, and, and grow its uh, non-oil economy. And just before that, better we'll just look at that uh, survey question so we can click our answers on it. And that's asking everybody um, what the average Brent price might be in March. Um, in February, it averaged just above 80. Last, uh, a month ago, And we asked people about the February price, most people said it would be hovering around 80. So our audience was correct. Uh, so, what's it going to be in March? Are we going to still be closer to eighty as we were last month, uh, and in Jan, or, or or are we going to get a different picture? So, better just back to the Saudi um, question there in terms of economic planning, uh, finance, etc. Um, you know, and and even the interest of foreign direct investment in the economy. Give us your your, your point of view on the Saudi economy outlook.
3: Yeah. So uh, from the perspective of Maastricht, I think we uh, clearly see the direction of travel for Saudi Arabia extremely positive. And um, it is, as I say, as timely as it can be. Um, Clearly, the direction is to diversify their economy, uh, move it uh, as much as possible into a balanced economy rather than extremely, you know, uh, centralized around the hydrocarbon space. And uh, clearly, there is significant potential. Um, we, in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, uh, are witnessing um, significant investment, as you mentioned, uh, FDIs, um, you know, uh, in terms of mobilization of, of, of resources uh, to implement that diversification strategy. Uh, and in general, I think uh, the, 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 the market is, is, is getting ready for um for you know uh, being ready to consume um the the sort of requirements with respect to the fa- the finances that are available right um we see that uh the local corporates uh and of course the international corporates are are raising uh liquidity and liquidity is definitely available uh for these projects because um there is a, there's a well thought out plan as to how to diversify the economy uh, you are seeing uh, certain sectors that have been uh, you know have are leading the race which is of course you know your tourism which is both your your you know your holy tourism and the conventional tourism which you know is is definitely uh, gathering pace um, then of course the infrastructure uh, clearly, there is uh, significant room to improve infrastructure, and we expect that you know uh, the 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 financing uh, for this will be available. A part of it, as you mentioned, will be reallocation of the budget budgetary you know uh, uh, sort of expenses towards that, as well as the the overall economy. Uh, can, the petrodollars continue to flow in um given where the the oil prices have been and expected to uh, if they remain range-bound in where they are i think uh, the the inflows remain quite quite strong um so in general you also have to sort of appreciate the fact that uh the regional economies are uh, are keen to part partake in this uh transition right in this journey for saudi arabia and you see a lot of a collaboration uh, happening uh, between private corporates and, and public uh, entities as well. You've seen the likes of uh, you know, Aqua, uh, Masdar, uh, all very keen to you know capture opportunities uh, in new technologies. So, uh, uh, hydro, hydro, hydrogen energy. Um, so you know, again, your solar wind energy all are attracting significant investments from uh, corporates from the region, right? And they bring their own balance sheet, they bring their own finances on the back of it, right? So um, as long as the um, the policy uh, is implemented um, with favorable, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, uh, sort of rules and regulations, we see that the Saudi uh, transition uh, towards diversification to continue uh, successfully.
0: Okay, thanks, Better Clay. What, what? Just let's get your opinion on on this uh, announcement a few weeks ago by by Saudi Arabia about its plans for oil. Uh, you know, for for pushing its oil capacity up to thirteen million is has been shelved for the time being, focusing on other things. What you know? Do you think that's just very temporary? Uh, uh literally because of budgetary needs, um, uh, wanting to sort of spend elsewhere. Uh, at the moment, or or do you see that, as we've heard since then, as a sort of reiterated intention of we are, you know, uh, changing our economic model and, and this is here to stay?
1: Well, our assessment is that it is temporary in nature and that uh, it can certainly be implemented when the supply demand conditions and the signals that are sent by the marketplace uh, signal that it's necessary. And that's not the case right now. Um, in a relatively balanced market, that's still going to have um, it's still going to be loose in the coming period. Probably the next couple, several years, we will still have pretty assertive growth from non-OPEC supply, and uh, you know keep a market stability in the recent range. However, according to our medium-term outlook, uh, toward the middle uh, or the end of the current decade, we will see supply-demand balances tighten, and when that happens. And everyone realizes that there has been, in many cases, some underinvestment that was needed in the upstream and that demand is turning out to be far more resilient than maybe the conventional wisdom has positioned for. Then we will need uh, more supply from OPEC plus, including Saudi Arabia, and at a time when the market signals that uh, things are tighter and more liquid supply is required, then they always have the opportunity to bring those plans back to fruition.
0: And Clay, just staying with you on the OPEC uh, front, we've got there, you know, obviously, you've given us sort of what your expectations are and what they'll do in terms of output. The other uh, point that they're going to be discussing in June, formally, at least that's the plan at the moment, is the quota uh, issue and reallocating, uh, recalibrating those quotas back to what's real, I suppose, Uh is what's been what's been expected um do you expect we will see some changes there and, and and does it make a difference really considering we're managing this market on a monthly basis
1: well it's possible that it could make a change i believe already for 2025 if not the current year so when they think about uh, baselines and future targets then apparently they will be considering the result of these uh outside capacity audits, if you will, and so there is a lot at stake across the uh, portfolio of OPEC plus contributors and members uh, in terms of reevaluating and, and maybe rebasing those production capacities. So there's quite a lot at stake for future years, but we don't see the outcome of this audit affecting anything in the near term, including the balances and the price forecast that I mentioned for 2024.
0: Yeah, thanks, Clay. Well, there's your uh, result for today. Uh, nobody thinks we're going to be close to $70. Uh, I suppose that's quite positive. Although we do have, you know, we've had, the trend has been gradually up in the new year for prices f- from December, obviously, but there's this bearish sort of weight, isn't there? It's, despite OPEC cuts, despite geopolitics. But there you go. We're sticking to close to 80 for the for the coming month. Let's see if that comes around. Gulmira, I'll go to you just to close off for us. Um and and just get your thoughts on. Uh, I mean, I know this isn't your area of expertise, but from an impact of how it might be affecting Europe. But China, we haven't mentioned China today. China economy, it impacts everything that happens in the energy world, doesn't it? From a demand and pull uh, perspective, what what sentiment are you getting from uh, the people that you talk to about where the economy is headed this year in terms of predictability? for energy markets? Are we now a bit more settled in knowing what we should expect from Chinese demand uh, and the economy there?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, we we have some discussions on China yesterday. And uh, uh, my understanding is from discussions that energy demand including you know oil and gas demand in china is growing in some uh, areas of uh, economy some uh, uh, but uh, you know it's it, it will continue to growing but on a on a very slow pace uh, you know unlike it was expected and uh, uh, i think uh, uh, china will continue to uh, well chinese buyers appear to to be uh uh Boosting their, you know, uh, oil uh, oil uh, import uh, from uh, from mainly Saudi Arabia uh, in 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 April and 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 in the following months, uh, but just it seems that the uh, China also switching of buying um, mainly from Russia now uh, to Saudi Arabia, which is interesting fact because uh, it seems that now. Uh, 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 you know saudi arabia is trying to reclaim its market back from from russia by you know uh reducing uh introducing a reduction in official uh price formula for the asian uh buyers uh, and uh that's an interesting fact so i think we will, we're gonna see more uh ch- china's and also india's imports from uh, from uh, saudi arabia in the in the in the coming months so uh with that, probably Russia will face um, a lot of obstacles, obstacles that will not related to sanctions or, you know, to the war in, in, in Ukraine, but more uh, obstacles related to, you know, this competition for the market in, 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 the, in Asia. Yeah, as you said, the, the the Saudis have been becoming more competitive with their
0: OSP in the last few months. And of course, the Russian discount has been becoming less attractive really for the last few months. So we'll see how that impacts those volumes going forward. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you to better Chowdhury for joining us today from Mashrik Bank, Gulmira, uh, Razieva and Clay Siegel. Thank you so much, uh, everybody, and have a good remainder of the week.